gorgeous. It's Lala Kent. With Randall. And we are still quarantined. (laughs) We are quarantined AF. We are quarantined AF. You know, it feels like every day that goes by is more wearing on our souls. It's 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 just tough. <laughs> My soul is done dead. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I look out the window and it could be a gorgeous day and it I'm look, like, fuck this day. It doesn't fucking matter. No. And then the prez gets on and he's Ugh. like, I think we need to extend this until April 30th, which granted, I'm like, great. If that's going to keep us healthy, Save I get lives. It. Obviously. Okay. Yes. And let me just second that. Like, I get it. Okay, we're extending the April 30th. We're saving lives. We're trying to hit our peak, you know, of the right. virus so that we could start going back to the some form of normalcy. But I'm going to tell you, La, I've never been affected by this. I mean, I, sorry, let me rewind that. I've never been affected like, like this. this. Yeah. It's almost like a bad dream every day you wake up and you want, like, my, you know me, I'm an optimist. So I wake up and I'm like, let's attack. Let's crush the day. Let's you know, yeah, take you over have, the world. Right. You have a lot of energy. I do, but, but it's wearing and it's emotional and it's, it's every day I'm fighting with myself, you know, to try to stay positive and listen to friends and, and, and just, you know, be optimistic, you know, in a time that's not easy to be optimistic. in. You know, what is so crazy though? Like I'm antisocial. Everyone knows that. Like this quarantine, it's like I wasn't socializing with people before this. No, you, you know, like no. it takes a lot to just get me out of my house. No, the only way you get out of the house, by the way, let's just be clear so people know, is if there's a job, a job, yep, or for a family member. Other yes. than that, and for the gym, which you always go to the gym, right? So for me, that's where it. Like for me, going to the gym, the reason why I pay for a trainer is because I will not work out otherwise. I haven't worked out while we've been quarantined. Not that's, not a day, nothing, not even in no, the house. nothing. Wow. I have a trainer for that reason because I'm held accountable. I get up, I go to the gym in the and you're morning. Paying. You're paying. I'm paying. That's so it's like so that's an incentive, them. of course. Well, you're somebody who, if you lose five dollars, you you go. Blessed. I go insane. Right. And so for me, the workout in the morning is is what the driving force of my day. It's like, once I get that done, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go do this, do that. Yeah. Because you know what I noticed? And obviously I took it all for granted, but I mean, just life, you know? Yeah. But I remember I'd go to the office at like 9am. Right. And then you'd call me always about between eight and 10, you were like, no one could talk to you. It was like angry, get the coffee. I'm going to the gym. Get the coffee, go to the gym. Don't talk to me until it's finished. But by 1130, you'd call me with that. Hey, what what are we doing today? Or I'm coming by the office. We got to do this. And I I noticed that. And now we don't have that kick for you. And also I don't have that kick at the top of the day. And I think I'm thinking about everybody, like lots of friends of mine I've talked to. They don't have that. kick. There's nowhere to find it because all we're hoping is, can we go back to our normal lives? And also, we don't want to die. So these are two things that I don't think we ever thought we'd have to face as a, as a world, as a, as a, as, as the universe. Right. It's like you keep, it's not like you, um, I'm trying to put these into words. It's not like you, you have a friend who's sick and you go to the hospital and you, and you want, you pray for them and you want them to get better. Right. And yeah. then you go back to your office and you yes. try to go on with your day. But everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's hoping that they stay healthy and everybody's quarantined to their house or their apartment or or a friend's house. So I just feel like we're all in this zombie like state. That's exactly how I feel. And I'm going to be, I'm going to fill you guys in on something right now. 
I'm a conspiracy theorist. Oh, God. I think that this is a way for the government to gain control of the human race. And it's gone very badly. And I will, well, in my mind, it's gone bad for someone very high up. It could be this is exactly what they were hoping for. The reason that I conformed is because COVID-19 is taking people's lives. So I do stay Damn. in my house. Yes, I do stay in my house because God forbid I catch it. And even more, God forbid, I give it to someone who's older if I were to have it, which I do not. But I believe yeah. I'm sorry. Something's going on. Okay. Something is going on. I'm gonna, I'm, and Randall is I, totally he's like, you're crazy. Law. No, like, I'm, sitting, is, I'm <laughs> sitting two feet from you. I want to fall out of my chair right now. But law, here's the thing. You're my partner and I love you. If you believe this is a conspiracy, then I have to let you believe that. And, I, and I've read articles where people believe that. Here's what I believe. I believe that some idiot far away okay. ate some fucking animal that they shouldn't have been fucking eating. And all the scientists are saying and, and, and uh, medical specialists that this was like the perfect storm. Like it took the virus into this person in China and manifested itself perfectly and then was able to mutate, go into other people. And here we are with a worldwide pandemic. All I'm going to say is this sucks. I don't give a shit. I've woken up every day. You know me a lot. See, she's smiling now. If you guys could see her. The thing is, she knows that I'm the biggest optimist. And for me and for me to uh, wake up daily and feel this dark cloud like everybody's feeling. You know, you try to make the best of it. You really do. But it's not easy. Randall's mad because he can't go direct his movie. Here's the thing. Randall is like a fucking uh what is that the energizer bunny that's a good you know that's a good word. keep going and going and going that yeah. is you and so for you the dark cloud is because you can't be out and about and socializing and doing this and yeah, doing but that it's not even socializing. It's, so i'm I, a creative person and it's totally hard, i get it's that it's very hard for an artist whether you're a filmmaker or an actor or director or anything it's hard when you don't have an outlet to be creative so i mean the great thing and i said to you today is Let's just get on our podcast because we like it's something that gets us to be able to share our feelings and and talk about things. Well, it makes me again. I am driven like I'm not leaving the house unless I'm going to someone else's house like Katie or Brittany's or if I'm getting paid to leave my house. Yeah. Otherwise, like, I don't see a reason to leave my house. I'm, like, quarantined with or without coronavirus. Well, can, I, can I ask a question? I, I understand that because I've been with you for four years. Right. The, the thing that I want to know that I think that you're not, that you're missing here is that even though you love the luxury of just chilling, let's go, so is you had the option that if I called you and said, La, or you call me at work, here's a perfect example. You'd sometimes once in a while, once a week say, babe, what are we doing for dinner? Do you want to go somewhere? Why don't I try something different? And I'd be like, okay. And we go. Right. The option is gone. The option's gone. Yeah. Or what about this? Babe, I want to get on the plane and go to wherever. Go to, uh, I don't go to Miami. Go to Miami a week. for a couple days. Yeah. And just, want, or how about just go get a massage at the $20, you know, uh, back massage oh place. Oh my God. Right. Right. We can't even go do that as a couple. And before this got super crazy, like oh. before it got real crazy. Yeah. Okay. This masseuse that randall and i love was like yeah i can like come over and massage you guys i'll just avoid the neck right the head and the face and i'm like 
That's all you. That's like. the only part I like. Yeah, so, so what's the, the point? That. that was the end of that. What's the damn point? No, I mean, and, and what I'm saying is like the basic things that like. And look, as a man, I can admit I like pedicure manicures. We. Okay, why are you smiling? Because I can picture you in the chair getting your mani-pedi. I know, but fresh. But but the thing is, you and I used to like to go do that. It was like a fun little thing. It was like a half hour. And the thing is, we have no options. And the options are you have to be really creative right now. But on top of that, you have to keep your spirit up. And and look. My spirit has remained up by playing endless amounts of rummy cube. And I I got a coloring book and a, a crayon set of 152. And Rand's kids pulled one of my crayons out of my coloring box. And I was like, oh, hell no. Oh, <laughs> hell no. And then they asked me for a page out of my coloring Wait book. I was like, yeah. no, okay. this is my coloring book and my crayons. <laughs> like, I just want to tell you something, Lala. It was more than that. People don't understand. You look like somebody had robbed your last $5. Of course. Your arms swooped into those crayons. Like they were the second. Oh, I wiped one right out of the six-year-old's hand. I was like, absolutely not. She looked like she had seen a ghost. She, I don't think she knew Lala could move that fast. She went for the crayon. You wiped the crayon. You said, it's my box. (laughs) It was. I bought the girls their own pack of 96. Oh, you know the number. This is how detailed you are. Maybe it was 64. I can't remember, but it was a lot. They had their own crayons. When this airs, will you, will you please... Give Crayola a shout out? Of course. Crayola has kept me sane in this. But will you also promote your art? Will you show people some of these colorings? Because you haven't left the table in two weeks. Two weeks. No. And and the coloring book is, the pages are like places, you know, like Barcelona, Miami, all of these amazing places. And I just sit there and color and I'm like, one day, one day I can come back to you. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I watch you. I've seen you and your mom. Every single day for two and a half weeks now, this is the, what the day consists of. Wake up. Yep. Everybody looks at each other like, oh, shit, we're fucked again. <laughs> and, then, and, 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 then, and then we all say, okay, thank God we're healthy. We do that little prayer. Yes. And then it goes from there to coloring. Yes. Followed by moping around again for a few more hours. Followed by television. Followed by four hours of Rummy Cube. Is it Rummy Cube? Yeah, Rummy Cube. Yeah, speaking of television, the mother effing Tiger King. Oh, oh God. Okay, every, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Life everyone change. everyone on the internet is like, OMG, this is crazy. OMG, it's <laughs> psychotic. For me, it made me sick to my stomach. That millions upon millions of dollars were spent on this lawsuit between the Tiger King and Carol Baskin and all these other fuck ups that I can't believe our world has people like this. Like, it makes me sick. I had no idea. I I was raised in Utah and I came west to California. Like, we're open minded. We're normal. Those people, I'm like, those people exist on our planet. Like, we're fucked. If If there's more people like that, we are fucked. My whole thing was it went back to the all the money that was wasted that could have gone to helping the fucking lions, tigers, bears in captivity, the apes. I as an animal activist, like you know, Blackfish changed my entire life. Yes. When I saw that documentary, it just like transformed everything. Yes. My new cause, I think, is like well, getting people to understand what the fuck it means okay. to rehabilitate an okay. animal. I, I need to weigh in here. Weigh in. So you promoted this documentary to me for a long time, for about a week straight. You kept saying, 
you need to see this. And I kept seeing it online and people going crazy over it. Right. So finally you, you got me to sit down and I, 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 I watched the first episode and I was hooked. Hooked. Okay. It is surreal. It's amazing. And I, I know that you're going to get angry because I think it's amazing television. Let's start there. Right. Uh, yes. The people are fucked up with the abuse of how they put in these animals. But what I want to tell you is this. This guy, Tiger... The Tiger King. That's his name? Tiger King? Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic, yes. Joe Exotic should have been the biggest country star ever. He is... Oh, oh, Phenomenal voice. Phenomenal. He should have been in Nashville, got rid of the animals, and gone off and sang. You want to know what's so insane? I'm serious. Is that... Joe Exotic, to me, was the most likable one. I like Joe Exotic. Carol Baskin is up in here fucking fooling everyone, acting like she has a sanctuary I'm gonna for tell tigers. You Let me tell you about Carol Baskin. She's full of shit. She's full of full shit. Full of shit. And I'm telling you, Carol Be Baskin. Be careful. She loves to sue I don't everybody. Give she sues everybody. For what? Our opinion? It's freedom of know. speech. I don't know. I don't Tough shit. <laughs> Tough shit. And I'm in quarantine, so I don't give a shit, Carol Baskin. Now. Oh, no. Yeah, you know what? We're both going you down. You know what, though? If we go missing. Joe Exotic. We go, Joe Exotic would come to our rescue. Joe Exotic is on the other side now. He's talking to PETA. He's the most powerful moment in that entire documentary was when Joe Exotic said, you want to know why they say animals die in cages? It's because their soul dies. And right then I was like, you fucking get it. Right. It has nothing to do with the way that you're loving that animal behind a cage. They don't belong in there. I, I agree with you, and I always stand by your cause. But then we have these fuckers that go out, like the guy that owns Jimmy John's, and he's out fucking popping these beautiful animals for sport, you know, like trophy hunting. Oh, shit. Again, these people exist Dave, on our I, planet, I, I, and it's don't, terrifying. People don't know your obsession and, and, and uh, passion for animal rights. I mean, when we go to Las Vegas, you will not stay at certain hotels. We're not going to mention it, so don't do that. All right. But, but we're certain hotels. You guys know which hotels. She just won't stay at hotels where there's any animals kept in captivity. So, nope. So basically in Las Vegas and other places all over the world, we're limited to about four hotels. I also do extensive research oh. on zoos because if you think I'm walking into a zoo, which I haven't been to a zoo since I was a kid, but I really do the fucking work to see if that zoo really, really is doing yeah. what they claim to do. No, you're, you're very true and you're true about this stuff. And but I, what I do want to say is some people are up and on the internet and they're like, oh my God, the people of Vanderpump rules or whatever reality show, like people like this exist. You know what? We're fucking gems compared to people that exist well, who are doing real fucking dirty shit. First of all, none of you guys are, are evil in, in spirit. Those, those, some of these people out there on some of these documentaries I'm watching are crazy. I mean, they're you know really what's crazy, not though? nice people. They're, they're vicious. They're not only vicious, but they're just uneducated people. Of course, well, I mean, that's why they make great television. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? But, okay, and then that, Lala, and then one of the guys take... is like, and my wife's pregnant. And he's like showing the nanny. I'm like, stop okay, procreating. Lala, Lala, stop but, but, having babies. Don't. A... But, but Lala, take a second for, for one second and say, you were addicted to that documentary. It was high level. It was one of the most entertaining things. Addicted? I can't. I go to bed dreaming about it. You wish there were another 10 episodes. I do. But then I read this. Uh, the director or the producers did a Q&A and I read about the process of them filming over five years. And oh. one of the the girls that worked on it was like, you know, I feel like the story has ended. Like I, I did she my got, job got and, everything. and I was like, you know what? I just hope that something great comes out of this and people watching the documentary don't 
don't focus too much on the stories of the people and focus on why they made that documentary. And that was to shed light on big cats in captivity. Well, I think everybody saw that and they also were exposed. Like, for instance, I've never even knew this existed in the U.S. So for me, somebody that knows about a lot, of, a lot about animal rights because of being with you, I think that even opened my eyes further. So I think a lot of people are going to be educated and be sensitive to that stuff. I want to just pivot here uh, to to get ready for our guest. Okay. Uh, in which I'm really, really excited. Who's our guest, Rand? Our, Tell him. Our guest is an an actor who I met because friends of mine were friends of mine in the industry were concerned and friends of this person. His name's Brad Schmidt, and he contracted COVID. Okay. And I, about 10 days ago, I saw on his story that he had gone into the hospital and he had written this really lengthy story. Now, there's a young man in his 30s with no underlying health issues. And he went to the doctor, basically came down with it, didn't feel good, went to the doctor. They couldn't get a test, went home, gave him some medication. He got worse, worse to the point where he told me he thought he was breathing shards of glass. Wow. And fast forward. Finally, his doctor said on day six, it was so bad. He said, you need to walk yourself into the emergency room okay. to get a test. He walked himself to the emergency room. He had double pneumonia in each of, um, pneumonia in each of his lungs. They, uh, they tested him. It came back positive. And basically, I think he was basically fighting for his life to get stabilized. And he just got released yesterday or the day before. And we're going to have him call in. And we're going to – I really am excited about this because I want people to know and hear from somebody – That's in your age group and that's, you know, younger than me, but was perfectly healthy and here was fighting for his life. And I think that's the seriousness of this virus that we need to hear about. All right. Well, let's get him on the phone and we will be right back. All right. We're back, Lala. What's up? We have a very special guest on the line. We do. We have Brad Schmidt. Brad, say hello. Hey, everybody. So, Brad, uh, you are somebody who I uh, linked up with, uh, friends of mine or friends of yours, and through social media about 12 or 14 days ago, I had seen that you contracted uh, COVID. Is that correct? Correct. And the reason I have you on, because I've been texting you daily, you know, and keeping in touch with you in the hospital, and we've never met, but... When, very sweet, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it really affected me because, you know, somebody who's 40 years old, uh, you have a wife, you have two young children, yep. you're a healthy guy, um, you have no underlying issues, correct? True. All true. Yep. So I, I see this, I see your story, I am moved, and I start texting you and you tell me, you know, you're in really bad shape at, at the hospital. So basically what I want to do is I want people to understand from somebody who's been through this, how serious this became and how somebody who is young and healthy is affected because I was affected by your story. I was floored, emotional. I was, I was sad. I was, you know, I, I, I I just was freaked the fuck out. And uh, if I'm freaked the fuck out and you're laying in a hospital bed where your family can't be with you, I want you to take us through the journey from when you first, had symptoms and, and kind of give us like a diary. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like most people in you know, the beginning, that's just progressing. I mean, like you said, I'm, you know, I'm healthy, responsible, you know, like I'm always washing my hands. Um, I, I have no underlying health issues. So like observing this through the news and hearing stories, it always felt like something 
once removed. Like, okay, it's going on, it's there, but it's not going to happen to me. Right. This isn't something that's going to affect me. And if it does, it's the flu. Like, I'll beat it. It's okay. I'm not worried about it. Um, it was a Friday. I would say Friday, I think it was like Friday the 13th, ironically. Wow. Think about that. Wow. Yeah. I started to feel, you know, like a little kind of under the weather. Like I had a cold coming on. And I, that evening, I think when I went to bed, I had kind of the chills. And I thought to myself, all right, you know what? I'm going to load up on vitamin C. I'm going to rest. I'm just going to kind of sleep through the weekend, sleep it off. And usually I can bounce back from a cold really quickly. Well, that Monday rolled around the 16th and brother, I was, I'm going to say it. I don't care. I was fucked up. <laughs> That's okay. You're allowed. After what you've been through, you can say whatever you want. Okay, good. All right. We're clear. <laughs> um, but there's no other way for me to put it. Like, you know, I'm pretty aware, like anybody that's really healthy of like when my body feels a little bit off, but it's like something you haven't felt before. And I felt that way. So I, uh, I called my doctor. Um, they told me to come in um, and basically just kind of get a test for the flu, do a scan of my lungs. Uh, and, I, and I knew something was really off. And I had this odd, really light, like really odd, they call it a dry cough. I don't know if that's right, but it's, it was almost like a wheeze. And I was like, okay, this doesn't feel right. Oh. So I go and I sit down. My doctor's not there at UCLA. I see another doctor, a very sweet guy, Dr. Jason Lee. And he's, you know, looking at me, everybody's masked up. Everybody's a little bit freaked out because COVID is starting to kind of pop off and they don't really know like how to treat you. Meaning, you know, I was, I was a baby, you know, like in the early, you know, eighties, but I imagine it was like, you know, when you contracted AIDS at the onset of that disease, people just didn't know how to treat you. So they put me in this like private room. They had me throw on a mask and uh, they did a scan of my lungs first. I actually thought of that the other day. I was thinking about when the AIDS epidemic first came onto the scene. Right. What the 80s, you know, look or late 70s, early 80s, what that looked like. I think people went through a very similar, just didn't have the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nobody knows. That's the thing. And and you don't want to make it like a one to one, obviously. But I have to tell you. No one knew what to do. Oh. Like even to, even when I went into the hospital, they had a guard kind of slash nurse just inside the doors. And I, I'll never forget. I walked in when they were going to admit me. I gave the guy my name and right away he knew who I was because they were expecting me. Wow. Someone was trying to come into the doors behind me and he started screaming. What? Stay out, stay out, stay out. So I like basically processed me and I thought, holy fucking shit. Okay, I have a question. Is this is this day two? Are you on day two now or day three when we're when we're at this point? So at UCLA I'm at day three. Okay. So I'm usually I'm at day three. To do a scan, they see you've got a, a very small spot on your lungs, like basically like an acute bronchitis. I'm like, okay. They give me a regular flu test, the flu test comes back right away, you're negative. So they're like, look, you do, listen to this, you do not meet all the symptoms for COVID. Oh. This is what they told me. And I knew, I was like, oh, fuck, they're not going to test me. So they said, listen, go home. Yeah. They sent me home. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't the doctor's fault, right? They just, A, didn't have the tests or B, they weren't able to get them. So he said, listen, we'll keep checking in with you, but I can't give you a test. Go home. If your fever gets worse. Because my fever was at around 100 consistently. Right? Not too crazy, but I had a fever. 
we'll have you come back in. Did you ask for the test? Because I'm curious at that point, because I know they didn't have the testing. You asked for it, and they said, I did. you don't meet the criteria. Well, and it wasn't so black and white. He did say that, but my understanding was he had to contact someone, at least at this moment, because this is fairly early on when this started breaking out. He had to contact someone at the CDC to get oh, permission wow. to be able to get me a test. And I'm thinking, are you fucking kidding me? Wow. Okay, well, what am I going to do, right? Yeah, so I go home. I go home. Okay. Um, cold sweats are getting worse. Cough starts getting progressively worse. Fever starts going up. Are we in day four now? We're at day four. Day four, day five, like around two, that, that Tuesday, like the 17th. Thank you. Yeah, like St. Patrick's Day, exactly. Wow. And so uh, it, the, the, the fever kept getting progressively worse. And each day, so the 16th, 17th, 18th, the, 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 the UCLA would call and check in. There's literally nothing they could do. They would say, Dr. Lee is still trying to get DOK for a test, but we can't get a test. So now keep in mind, this is like some backstory we don't really need to get into, but my wife is, she's doing like a career change. She's in the middle of nursing school. Oh right now in Wyoming, right? At the University of Wyoming with, she's got my kids. And so she's getting freaked out too because she's not here to like take care of me or check in on me. So finally the 18th, so we're day one, two, three, four, five now. I mean, I couldn't even get out of bed. Okay, hold on, hold on. So just so I understand, on day five, on day five, yeah. you couldn't, like the fever was so bad, the shakes, the, the everything, you couldn't leave. You, you, now you can't walk around. I mean, you're that sick. Nope. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is a nightmare. To get from my bedroom to the bathroom, like an ensuite, which was maybe five yards, I got a breath and I'd be lightheaded, like literally out of breath. I, at, that point, I go, I, at that point, I go to the hospital. There's not even a question. Well, yeah. And then the question is like, well, do you just sit at the hospital? Do they... It's just, there's no clear information. Scary. This story for me right now, and I'm telling you, I have anxiety filling my body because I, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what you're feeling because it's not like you could just drive to the hospital and they were ready. Like today, you know what I mean? Like two weeks later, they're obviously handling this differently, but you were at the, you were at the beginning of this. Yeah. You know, so, so, so tell me now what happens five days in. So the, 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 the nurse calls and, um, I mean, I'm at this point I'm hacking. It's just a mess. And I'm, I'm, I don't internally freak out much, but I was internally freaking out because I could feel myself deteriorating. I could feel my lungs oh. getting heavier. And the nurse says, Dr. Lee couldn't, couldn't get anyone at the CDC to approve a test, right? Just get yourself, get in your car take yourself into uh, St. Joe's in Burbank because they had apparently released like a couple hundred tests that they were giving there. So I get in my car, I drive over there, which was like a chore park. I start walking up and they kind of have this whole outdoor tenting system kind of set up. Like uh, it reminded me of that of ET where they had like all the tents set up and yeah. the doctors walking around and have suits. So luckily, like literally by the grace of God, I was able, I was like the third one there and it only took like about an hour and a half and I was able to get in. I sat down, the doctor came into the tent, like took one look at me and basically he didn't say it, but he was like, holy fuck. So he turned around, they got a a test, test kit. He came in, it's really long, it's a swab and they just stick it way in the back of your nose. It's really uncomfortable. 
tested me for the regular flu again. That was negative. And he said, listen, go home, just lay down, just try to stay hydrated. And we're going to call you within two to three days with the test result. So they send you home again. Send me home again. Oh, uh, this is... Yeah. And, you know, partially because while, you know, I had a bad temperature, my vitals on the whole were fairly okay. The one thing that was not good, and I have to tell you this, and anybody that's listening, this is like the exercises or runs a lot. When you're done like exercising, your heart rate, your, your standing heart rate is usually pretty low. Mine is usually hovers around like a 50, 55. I'm a geek. I always kind of track it. My <laughs> heart rate was basically no activity was at 120. What? Wow. My heart was what? just cranking. Yeah. Oh, so your heart was in overdrive. I mean, it was an 100%. overdrive just to just to breathe, just to function. Yeah, just 100%. Oh, this is, this is scary. So in retrospect, it makes sense why people with, you know, pre-existing conditions or heart conditions or just lung issues in general, you know, are, are, are passing away. So I go home. Um, I think we're like at day six now, day seven. That Thursday, the 19th, they call, uh, the doctor calls and get this. Or it's a nurse, excuse me. She calls and she says, Brad Schmidt. I'm like, yeah. She says, hey, you know, I'm, you know, nurse so-and-so. I was at the hospital. We tested you. Your test came back. It's positive. I'm like, okay, I'm positive. So I'm like, I'm, I'm expecting them to be like, all right, come in, come in right away. Right. Like I would, I would, I would be in the car on that phone call. Right. I mean, I would, there wouldn't even be a conversation, Yeah. but, but the one thing I want to tell people, I can tell just from texting and now talking to you law. I mean, you could tell law he's a very level headed. Yeah. Guy. You're very calm. You're talking very about calm. Lala and I would be on a stretcher. Nine one one. So, <laughs> right. so this is what shocks right. me. Helicopter coming in, picking you up. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. okay, so you're tested positive, and you would think they would tell you to come in right away. So what happens? No, they don't. Oh, my God. Oh, so God. she says, you're positive. She's like, how do you feel? I'm like, you know, in my head, right, my animal brain, I'm like, how the fuck do you think I feel? <laughs> right. But I said, you know, my, I'm, but honestly, right, I'm like, you're not feeling great. Um, the, uh, the coughing is getting more persistent. She said, listen, I'm going to talk to the hospital. She's like, within a couple hours. If you're not, if, if things are not feeling level off at all, you're not feeling better, call me. We're going to have you come in. We're going to admit you. And, you know, what I'm realizing in retrospect is, A, they didn't know, which is they just didn't have a lot of information. B, they were worried about beds. You know, I mean, if, if I'm a guy who has it, even though my symptoms are bad and I can beat it on my own by staying quarantined, as opposed to someone who's going to legitimately die, they want to save the bed for that person. They want to save the beds for people that need it. But I, w- I want to say something here to people listening. I really believe that if you've been, and now what day are you on, Brad? Six at this point or five? No, seven. Seven? We're like into day seven. Uh, I'm on day six, seven. Yeah, seven, yeah. In my opinion, in my opinion, and, I, and Brad, tell me if you look backwards at this. If you were giving advice to me, and I was on day six or seven and I couldn't breathe well and I couldn't get out of bed and my fever was spiking. Wouldn't you tell me, get your ass to the emergency room at this point? Pick your fucking ass up off the floor and get to the hospital. Okay. So that's the advice I'm saying. I get, I get what you're yeah. saying. And I, and I agree with you. If you're a healthy young person, you know, three days in four days in, you have a fever of a hundred and you can kind of walk around then, then you don't need to go to the hospital. I guess I'm not giving advice as a doctor. I'm saying I respect what you're saying. And I, I would agree right. with that personally, right law. Yeah. But, 
but if you're day six or seven and you, you shit's bad, it's time to go to the ER and say, help me. Yeah, 100%. You know, I have, I've had a couple friends reach out to me, you know, actors on both coasts here and in New York who, you know, they've been around groups of people that are feeling sick. And, and even, uh, Randall, you know, you kind of hit me up and you were talk, talking to me and saying you weren't feeling great. What were the two indicators that I would say don't even hesitate? If you've had a fever and it's a low-grade fever, like around 100, and it's not going away, and you've got the chills, and you've got cough, don't listen to what anybody tells you. Get up, go to the hospital, go to your doctor, just sit there until they test you. That's Those are the two things that I would tell you, especially if you have kids, if you have loved ones that you live with. Like, Don't even wait. Just go so you can at least know whether you are and you're not, and then you can know what to do next. That's what I've been telling anybody that's been asking me. Well, absolutely. And do you think that they may like, just because you're a healthy dude, you may have answered this already. I'm just like in a daze with what you're saying, because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I like this, I think was concocted by somebody it's affecting people, obviously like yourself. Do you think that they sent you away because they looked at you and they were like, okay, he has a better chance then, you know, say a 70 year old who comes in and we want to save the beds for, for those people. With all due respect and not to minimize a life for anybody, but a hundred percent. Yeah. That, so they basically were, they basically were playing, basically they're looking at you saying you're not on your last lung yep. in their mind, in their mind, go home. You should be fine. You're going to get through this. They didn't have all the tools at that point. No, they, they fought me on like tooth and nail to get a test. I mean, a multiple, I mean, it was unreal. unreal. And even my doctor, and I'm, I won't like throw her name out there, but my doctor who's been on maternity leave finally got a hold of me when I was in the hospital. And she said, Brad, oh my God. And I was, she was looking at my chart and telling me what was going on. She said, they should have taken you to the hospital and given you a test like that first time you went in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And know. this is how people are dying, in my opinion, a thousand in, in addition to underlying. But I think people are going in and they don't think it's that bad and they think it's the flu or, or the hospital's not ready to take them or there's, you know, the, the tests are taking too long. And thank God this country now is got finally, te- finally is is right. feels like if you need a test, you can get it. Yeah. But I mean, this is a horrific story. I mean, your story, yeah. thank God, is being told so people can see what has happened with this healthcare system. Well, and it's also, you know, you've shed a lot of light for me because I'm somebody who, if I keep, if I keep my blinders on, you know, I think of it as like, I know it's happening. It's just the flu. If I get it, I'll kick it. And you know, because I, it's not that. And I think your story will open a lot of people's eyes and be aware, especially uh, honestly, it's why I, it's why I posted. It's why I did that post. It's why I have my wife kind of repost it, you know, because I was kind of dismissing it a little bit in the beginning. It was there, but I was like, yeah, whatever. And I had some good friends, again, some, you know, working actors and people that I know that travel a lot, really just kind of poo-pooing it. Like, really just like, eh, it's not a big deal. Guess what? It fucking is. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. We have to be, yeah. No, this is no, this is no joke. And I, I don't want to say that to that effect that COVID, this is really beyond it's waste it's I, I don't even know how to use the right word it is you know i was reading an article yesterday law and, and Brian, i was reading this article and you yeah. know it brought so many tears to my eyes how people are dying alone 
that you can't, you know, that's a new thing now. Can you bring your loved ones in because you're going to contaminate them, et cetera? The, it, and are you prepared to die alone? I think that's another part of this. I'm, I'm seeing those stories too. Yeah. And, and I think not to cut you off, sorry, but I, you know, one of the most heartbreaking things is like, you know, I, no one can see you. Oh, oh I can't no even, one can come in. I, I can't even fathom that if you take your last breath and you're not even prepared yep. to die, I mean, you're a young person. And that's how you die. This is a that horrific. That just gave me chills. Yeah. This is, the, this is the reality of what we're living in. This is why we're staying at home. This is why we're trying to beat of this. Of course. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm run to a commercial break, although I wish I didn't have yep. to. We're going to come right back. You're not going anywhere. And we're going to keep talking about this because I want to hear the rest of your journey because it is, it is everything that we need to hear today. Yes. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. We are back talking all things health and COVID-19. We have our boy Brad Schmidt on the line who, thank God, has has beat coronavirus. How you feeling, B? Thank you so much for being here or being via phone, I guess. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I, I want to jump into... Once you got out of the hospital, no, no, what? Wait, 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 real quick, because you know me, Law, I'm a detail. You're detail-oriented. Yeah, yeah. Just take us quick, as you got, once you got into the hospital, what happened, and then, and then out of the okay, hospital. Okay, okay, okay. I get to the hospital, and the, the biggest, oh, shit, moment was they're, they're scanning your lungs once a day. I get to the hospital, they want, they take my blood, they throw me on oxygen, the first thing that they want to do, and they're still not like putting me like in a room, they want to scan my lungs, they do a quick scan while I'm in the bed, they go away, I'm waiting 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, like an hour goes by, then the doctor comes in, he's like, okay, we're wheeling you up into a room. I'd mentioned to you, uh, Randall, I think maybe you have a message, I'm not sure, but that spot on my lungs that they thought was an acute bronchitis on Monday, which was three and a half days earlier, the COVID, this is what people need to understand. And I know that this doesn't happen to everybody, but it had spread throughout both of my lungs, both of them. Yeah. You told me that you had pneumonia in each of your lungs, correct? Double pneumonia within like three and a half days. So that, that kind of kick, kick started the stay. Um, and then, you know, one of the last things I'll say while the doctors were all amazing, I had an, uh, a pulmonologist, uh, infectious disease doctor and, and a general, the one thing that they were conferring every day and couldn't decide what to do and ultimately decided not to give me any kind of medicine was how do we treat this? Oh. This is the other thing no one's talking about. People are like, oh, you know, they're doing um, anti-malaria meds and then there's like this and that and vitamin C drips. They didn't give me shit primarily. Wow. And this is, this is the truth because, you know, I get again, a young, I'm healthy, but in my white blood cell count was so far down. They don't know what the side effects are. And there are side effects to these things. And there is no data on yes. a lot of these medic medications and they don't know what's going to happen if they give it to you. And they're really giving it to people where it's kind of like a last salvo. It's like the Hail Mary, give them some meds, give them something, try to beat it. Let me, let me ask a question. When they put you on the oxygen, did that feel better? I mean, maybe I, it might have helped. You know, help helped a bit. Um, the the I'm going to screw this up. I'm not a doctor, but the you know the oxygen level in my blood was really low. I guess they say if it's below like 95 percent, it's pretty low. I was below 90, like around 85 when I got in. Um, and the the only thing that really freaked me out aside from the scan was really I had to think. Think about this. One of the things we don't think about 
during the day. We, we never really think about breathing. You just do it. I had to think about, okay, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, because I was so restricted. And if I was breathing too deep, it felt like I was, you know, swallowing glass. It was just the craziest oh my thing God. ever. It was, yeah. This is, this is the nightmare of nightmares. So now we're on day seven or eight in the hospital. What happens yeah. that's the turning point? And, and, and this is what I want to ask you. Do you feel in your mind, in your soul, that you might die in this bed? I honestly don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't think that I will. I do know in that moment, I wasn't eating. I had zero appetite for days. I wasn't eating. It, it hurt to move. I was having trouble breathing. I mean, I had, a, I had one moment. This is the God's honest truth. I had one moment where I had the nurse kind of get up and help me kind of like, you know, walk into the bathroom so I could sit down and go to the bathroom. Oh, and my God. I was in so much pain and sitting on the toilet and my heart rate was racing because I just walked to the bathroom. I literally was like, oh, my God, is this, is this you know, I don't want to be dramatic. But if I'm being honest, I was like, fuck, I can't, can't get worse because oh. if it gets worse, I, I'm just, I didn't know what was going to happen. If it, basically, in that moment, you believe if it, if it got worse. You basically could be looking at death. Possibly. That's how bad it was for you. Yeah, in that moment. And, um, you know, the doctors, to their credit, they made the right choice in, in not, you know, giving me anything. My, you know, my body started to, you know, started to recover. Um, they were taking blood twice a day, doing scans every day, and they were, you know, encouraged enough. Okay, how many, how many days in the hospital before they released you, before you started feeling better? And on what day... Overall, of this experience, did you? Uh, I spent almost seven days in the hospital. Oh my god, I would freak out. Yeah, I spent a week in the hospital. But this is a lot, week. I mean, this is the reality that we're living, and that's the scary. Right. If you would have told me that anything aside from a car accident or some kind of terrible wreck was going to put me in the hospital for a week, I would have called you fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm See? sure. But that's what I'm trying to tell yeah. people. That that's what I think we're all trying to figure out here is that when they say stay at home. Stay safe, please, 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 please stay at home because this you're the example of all of us in this age demographic. Lala's 10 years younger, um, nine years older. But, you know, whether you're 25 or 45 or 65 or 85, this happens and affects everybody right now. And listening to this. So so you get released and and now you're day yep. 12 I assume or 13 right now where where are you at today? 14 14 day 14. Um you know I'm feeling progressively better okay. each day. I have moments I have no energy. I mean I have uh, this is why I was texting you hey when do you want to do this because I'll, I'll probably have energy for this call and I'm like Aww. done. Oh the day we are we are so grateful we are very grateful for you to do this uh, this is very important really important so i'm in an airbnb um away from you know everyone uh just kind of recuperating i've got a call set up with the doctor tomorrow they're going to want to test me a couple more times to make sure it's gone because reinfection is also you know it's a small possibility and oh. honestly man i just i can't wait to see your kids i, just, I can't wait to see my wife and kids i haven't Aww. seen them in, in so long in, in a long time. So, wow. Have you, have you, you haven't seen your kids in two weeks or your wife? Oh, longer than that. It's probably been about four, about four weeks. Oh my God. Yeah. We FaceTime. Thank God. You know, we have that technology. No, of course. But I mean, but, but this is the thing I'm talking about. This is what I want people to understand. It, it, not only do you have to go through this horrible, 
horrible thing that that hopefully you survive. But you have to do it alone. You you can't see your family. Your family can't see you. This is yeah. probably one of the worst pandemics you know we faced in in the world. I mean, in our lifetime, probably in, in our yeah. lifetime, in our lifetime for sure. But I also think in, in history, this will go down as one of the worst. And when when I get mad because I'm sitting in my house in my kitchen right now, you better be. I I I I need to remind myself that the sun is shining, that I'm here, yeah. and you know what? Even though I'm going to bounce off the walls every day, with Lala, yeah. um, <laughs> at least um, at least I'm at least we're safe and healthy. And I think your your words, people need to hear you because there's only one alternative, and that's you know death, getting sick. And being quarantined alone for a month or or being healthy in your house. Oh, yeah. We just conform yeah. and listen to what they're telling us to do till it's safe for all of us. And I and I do think, uh, you know, I think you've been in a roller coaster, uh, you know, and and I, I, I got to honestly, I applaud you. And and the minute it's safe to go out I, and I mean this with all sincerity, we are going out for a drink and we are going to yeah, celebrate, yeah. you know. <laughs> And, and get fucking hammered. I have to say this. I have to say this. And I have, I have to say this out loud. I got so many messages and DMs and calls from people that I know and that I love. But also just as important is I, I got messages from people that I don't even fucking know. It's like, it was like the beauty of like humanity. Like Randall, for example, I know we have like people in common, but yeah. we don't know each other. No. And like you, you reached out and you were like, listen, man, get better. Like I'm with you and it really helped. It really, really did. So I really appreciate you reaching out. I really do. You, you were, I just want to say this. You were an inspiration in a time, obviously every week they're getting better with the testing and, and, and the support and all that. But, but I knew when I saw somebody, a peer of mine, you know, even though we didn't know each other, but in my peer group, in my industry, you know, you live seven minutes down the street from me. I wanted to reach out and say, hey, you've got somebody. If you need something, if I can do anything, let just please have your family call anything I could do. And I also wanted to just be there to say, hey, let me know how you're doing and, and know that you can text me if, if you know, whatever it is. So I, I, I'm, it means a lot that, that my words. It was words pretty meant. amazing. Awesome. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was really amazing. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Well, we are so appreciative that you, I know that you're exactly took time. And now we want you to go and rest. And we hope that you get to see your family soon. Thank you so much for taking our call. No, it's my pleasure. Time to to take a nap. Yes. Yes, Take a nap and and keep (laughs) texting me daily and let me know that you're, you know, how you're doing and anything you need. Like I said, Uh, you're a good man, Randall. Thank you, Lala. I appreciate you guys. Thanks. Of course. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Wow. That, that was is, intense. That that just makes me realize that we are lucky. And even though we're all confined to our homes and we're bitching about not being able to leave our homes. Yeah. Listening to his story, I'm going to take a lap around the house and be grateful because this shit is real and it's horrible and people are dying and people are getting sick. But what doesn't it shock you that somebody in our business, our industry close to us, is young and it had no underlying issues. Well, it just goes to show you this, this, uh, virus, it doesn't discriminate against anybody. It's like, it will affect you whether you're young, old, middle aged. it doesn't matter. Healthy, not healthy. It just affects us in a different way. And you know, after hearing, cause I needed to hear that. Yeah. I know you, know you did. 
I know I you did. did. For, for me, you know I've been on the phone texting. I was texting. like, this is a fucking joke. If I want to leave my house, I... And keep in mind, I haven't left my house because... No, you've been quarantined. I, I've definitely been quarantined. And I've done that for other people's safety because I know other people are very much like get the fuck away from but, me uh, and but, I get it. But I think young people in your generation are saying, and I, I think it's, it's not, I think they're just some, not all young people, but I think a lot of young people are saying, taking the thing of, if I get it, I'm, I'm going to be, be fine. Okay. I'll be okay. I'm going to be fine. See, and for me, I think of it the other way. Like for me, I'm not like, if I get it, I'll be okay. I'm thinking like, God forbid, if I leave my house, if I were to have it, if I gave it to someone who couldn't fight it off as easily as I could, that is the only reason why I've stayed quarantined. But I think as we sign off on this episode, you know, I hope next week we have a little bit more of a lighthearted episode. Yeah, but this, but can I tell you something? This was very, this is what people I think needed to hear. But, but can I tell you this episode, like I didn't have anybody to talk to about COVID because I was petrified. I want to know things. I want to know what the experience was like to be able to educate myself, to be able to protect, you know, our, uh, our friends, our family, my right. kids. And so I think listening to him and him texting me and now hearing him, I think just gives us some real insight that this, we got to be extra careful. We've got to, you know, even though we're quarantined we, we just have to know that this could affect anybody. And right. I think young people, when they get, you know, arrogant, in the sense, you know, some young people will just be stubborn and say, oh, I'm fine. If I get it, it's like a flu. It's not like a flu. This is an unknown virus that attacks everybody differently mm -hmm. and kills people. Right. And here is a young man that just gave us his story and it is heartbreaking. I'm so glad he's on the road to recovery. Uh, I, and, and I promise you, we will be more like that <laughs> next week. But I do think that this probably will be one of our most important episodes we'll ever do. I fully agree with you. So once again, I want to thank Mr. Brad Schmidt, who, you know, took our phone call. And also, I want you guys to go out there, not, not go out there, stay inside, slay your homes. And again, please stay healthy and please stay safe. We love you all very much. And we will catch you next week for another episode of Give Them Lala with Randall. Be safe, everybody.